0: Welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I'm Carissa Christensen and if you are one of my regular listeners, welcome back. If you are new to the show, I'm so glad to have you here. Today we're going to be talking about something that all of us who are midlife know about. It's about weight and we seem to sort of explode and get this muffin top, this menno belly, I don't know what we want to call it and it's really hard To get it off, and it's very hard to keep it off because we've changed hormonally. So today's guest is someone who really works with that side of it, teaching and helping women to keep the weight off. And I'm so fascinated to have Stephanie on shore on the show. I'm fascinated about her whole approach and her story of how she got there. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thank you so much for
1: having me. I'm ex- super excited about the conversation today.
0: Oh, that's great cuz you are a nutrition strategist.
1: Yes, so I instead of saying like a coach or or what have you, I say strategist because we need to come up with a really really good strategy around what is going to work for you in order for you to get the results that you need.
0: Oh, that's great. And I know that you know, this wasn't what you always did, was it? Yeah. So I spent
1: 20 years in corporate America. I worked for a Fortune 500 company doing public affairs and business development in two and a half states. So tons and tons of travel. And then I spent 10 years running a nonprofit and that was two and a half counties. So again, there was a lot, well, actually four counties in the beginning, now that I think about it way back in the past. But it ended up two and a half counties. And again, that was a lot of travel involved. And we'll get a little bit more into my story later. But what I found when I look back over those two positions, there was a lot of stress. There was a lot of um, uh, slow decline of my health that I wasn't being conscious of because I was, you know, let's go, let's go. We got to keep this corporate job, run this nonprofit. And so, yeah, that background, I think, helped lead me to where... One, I am today and also where my health went.
0: Yeah, because, you know, I can relate to that so much. I have been a corporate person too for 30 years. I know lots of my listeners as well are really running on empty. We haven't got a lot of bandwidth for anything, have we? Let alone our midlife change.
1: Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, I can remember, like, I was fortunate enough to have that corporate job where my boss was, Four or five states over. Sometimes it was two, a boss two states over, but I never had anyone there. So I had a ton of workplace flexibility, but I always felt like I had to work the 50 to 60 hours. Then I had three kids at home and a spouse and parents to take care of. So I understand what that corporate world feels like and how <laughs> I often say how it can eat at your soul a little bit. And then as, as women, I think we, we're there. So we want to do it and we want to do it right. So we're, we're allowing ourselves to be pulled in so many directions and that can cause you to gain weight, have more stress, not be able to sleep at night. All of those things come from our, can come from our work environment if we're not managing the stress as well.
0: And you said that your own health deteriorated. It did. So I, and again,
1: until I had what I call my big crash in 2017, I was not noticing the hair loss. I was not noticing, you know, I was like, oh, man, I'm getting a little bit older or the breakage in my hair. Oh, maybe it's just the age thing. I wasn't noticing that as much or the rapid heartbeat, the twitching of my eye, coldness and numbness in my hands and feet, like because it was periodic. And what happened is over the course of those years, those tiny things, built up to March of 2017. And that's when my body completely crashed. My jaw went numb, my hands and feet began to tingle. And I was actually on a business trip traveling again in New Orleans. And that night I went to urgent care and then urgent care sent me straight to hospital to an emergency room. And that started a two year period of 18 different doctors, two world renowned medical facilities, And $20,000 out of pocket. And with those 18 doctors, different doctors, I wasn't just going to just specialists. I was trying Eastern medicine, Western medicine, you know, acupuncture, dry needling, two physical therapists. I was trying everything to heal my body naturally, but I couldn't get the answers that I wanted unless... You know, they had some surgery and some medications that were being suggested, but I just knew in my gut there had to be another answer to me healing my body.
0: That's a huge story. Massive. But I think one that so many can relate to as well, Stephanie, that, you know, you were you know, maybe just completely burned out, or di- or just th- that happens, and it must have been a very frightening experience to, you know, suddenly have like a shutdown like that of your body.
1: Yeah, Clarissa, you're right. It was very, very stri- frightening, and I-, I hadn't thought about it that way. But a shutdown—that's exactly what my body did. It was like, yeah, I'm done with you. You are abusing me. I'm out. And that's what happens to a lot of us as women. You know, I I kept mine a secret. So for two years, first of all, I was, I don't know if there was shame. And I don't think there was shame involved. I think it was more or less, I didn't want someone to see me being weak. So I hid all of that for two years, which I think ultimately made it worse. So again, it was harder for me to recover because my immediate, immediate family knew And then two members of my board knew what was going on with me, but I would go to work all day. Well, actually to like two or three. And then like, by that time I was like, yeah, I'm out almost every day, come home, sit down and try to just get enough energy to go back the very next day. So yeah, I was on a complete shutdown. I wasn't able to drive for a couple months. It was a tragic experience, but you may hear smiling in my voice if you guys are listening. The outcome Once I found the right doctor that listened to me, and uh, he's a naturopath and a chiropractor, once I found him and he started to give me hints of what I could do, that's when it changed.
0: Yeah, and I think you were very lucky to meet someone like that because so many women just go through that, have to give up their careers and never really get back on track. But that obviously was the start of you also, changing your life and becoming a nutrition strategist.
1: Yeah, it was. So again, the it was uh actually it was my pastor's wife was like, hey, there's this guy in Oklahoma. We live in Ohio. He's in Oklahoma. I think he can help you. So I reached out to him and he did. So he I had a test and there I was eating as a vegetarian and actually like that would be the first thing I would say in the doctor's office well I'm a vegetarian you know or I exercise you know <laughs> so I said it with pride but I wasn't doing it correctly. Like I would, I didn't understand what bees I needed. You know, I didn't understand that I couldn't get my B12 from plants in that amount that my body needed. I didn't understand or recognize there was deficiencies going on, that my adrenals were weak. My liver was weak all because I wasn't eating properly and I wasn't handling Stress in my life, the proper way. So once I met with the doctor again, he's a chiropractor slash naturopath. He put me on. He gave me like two pages, and it basically said, "Eat this, don't eat that," based on your test results. That was awesome. But I like to dig for information. So while I was recovering, I decided, "Hey, I'm going to get a nutrition certification." And after I got one, I decided, "Hey." I need another one that's more medically based at this point. So I did. I went back, got certifications, and that's when my nonprofit was closing. And I decided I really, the more I start to tell my story, the more I start to hear my story wasn't as rare as I thought. I decided that I needed to support other women. And that's what I do today.
0: So wonderful. And one of the things you talk about is that you get, you peel back the layers down to the DNA. I'm fascinated by that. Tell me more about that, Stephanie.
1: Yeah, so, you know, 18 doctors prior, if someone would have taken a test that actually looked at mineral deficiencies in my body and looked at nutrition, we wouldn't be here today. I would still, you know, I don't know, I'd wear back in corporate America probably, (laughs) but someone did. So that's exactly what I do for my clients as well. I do a hair mineral analysis for clients And based on that hair mental analysis, I can determine if there are deficiencies in the body that we can render or help make better by using food. Sometimes you do need supplements in the beginning, but using food to help your body recover. So for example, if the copper levels are high in a woman's body, that may be related to estrogen levels. So what foods are we going to bring in and how are you going to handle stress differently? And what's your mindset look like? What does self-care look like? We layer all of that together. So the peeling back of the DNA is the hair mineral analysis. And so I just had a client who had uh, MS, multiple sclerosis. The hair mineral analysis, that we probably could have gotten away with that for her, but we wanted to go deeper. So I actually have uh, work with a, a functional medicine person as well. And we were able to do a GI stool map and we were able to pull back the layers even deeper on her. And there was some gut issues that she had had for years, she said, since a childhood. And we, based on the things that we were able to, to I was able to tell her to do a little bit differently. She now, you know consistent bowel movement, the gut is doing better, and so forth. So that's peeling back the layers, not looking at like, everyone needs to eat the same, because we are all unique individuals.
0: I love that. And that really is going, that's going much deeper than if you went to just a standard nutritionist. I love that that sort of combination of of your nutritional knowledge with the functional medicine practitioner is going down to the individual level As you said, that's resolving a lot of deep seated issues for people. And we do carry a lot from our childhood and our journey. By the time we're in midlife, we've layered every decade a bit more onto our poor health. (laughs) You
1: are right. So, part of my recovery was one, I didn't know that I had an intolerance to. Pineapples, apples, cabbage, and peaches. I, actually, the summer before I got really sick, I was—we had a peach market. I, I'm like, "That's what happened to me. That's why I got more sick." I, every day from work, I would go and get like four peaches. I didn't realize the food things, but what I all—what the doctor didn't help me with—and this is a big part of the work that I do with women now. He didn't help me with the mindset piece, and no, you no know, disrespect to him because he helped me so much, but that's just not part of his practice. Even though I was healing my body internally, there were external stressors that I was not handling very well. One, I had to identify them. Two, I had to do something about them. And then also, why was I eating when I was eating? Why was I eating what I was eating? All of those things, they need to come up. So you can understand how to put them back. And mine was boredom. Like I'm like, I didn't think I was bored. I had three kids, a husband, a job, blah, blah, blah. blah. But I really ate out of boredom a lot. So what does that look like? And how can you get past that? Those are things that I work. I encourage people, even if you don't work with me, I encourage people to figure out and understand what is actually going on. And that's going to help you get to the next level with food or, or whatever else.
0: And that's interesting because I actually commented on somebody's post. She was talking about sugar today on one of her LinkedIn posts. And I said, one of the reasons we eat lots of sugar sometimes as women is because we're bored and we snack. And women, I used to do lots of studies on women's eating habits as part of my job in corporate. And the number of women who'd pull out like a desk drawer and say, see what I've got in here. And they're just a little bit bored. And then out come the cookies and the what I don't know what you call them, the sort of Snickers bars and all the rest. And some of that is just something to do. And then we're a bit energy tired and we're not eating enough. And suddenly there we are. And sugar, sugar is straight in there. And that's death. I think <laughs> it is. And I, I love what you just said about not
1: eating enough as well. A lot of folks will come and they, they like, They're proud of the fact that they're only eating 12 hours out of the day or only eight or six hours out of the day. I'm like, that's why you're still holding on to the weight because your body is like, wait a minute, when am I going to get fed again? I better hold on to what I have. So you're exactly right that we need to figure out how we're eating more. I actually had a client who she's doing a ton of fasting and exercising really hard. So we increased her caloric intake to 1700 calories. She was freaking out and we decreased her exercise. Like you don't need to work out this hard that after a year of doing it the opposite way, she immediately starts seeing the weight come off because her body was no longer wondering like, when is she going to feed me again? (laughs) That kind of thing.
0: Yeah. And I've encountered that too with women who are midlife that they are eating I had one client who was working with me and I'm not a nutritionist, as people know, but more a holistic health person. And she said to me, Oh, I only eat once a day and I said, Aren't you hungry? And she went, Oh no, I drink lots of coffee and I was like, But you must be really hungry by six o'clock in the evening. You know, that's that's going twenty four hours without eating, except just putting coffee into your system. And she kept thinking, well, if I just give up coffee, and I went, no, you need to eat properly several times a day. And she had lots of thyroid issues, which I'm sure had something to do with barely eating as well. This system was in crisis. And I'm so glad that you said that as well. You know, this not eating enough is much more likely the body's in shock. I mean, it's in continual fight and flight. It's on sort of starvation mode.
1: You're exactly right. Like we have like that. So we look at the mindset, metabolism, inflammation, and hormones. And so if you don't get, I always say the mindset is the most important. Then I think, oh, no, the gut is. And then no, I think, no, no, metabolism is. <laughs> it's like also important. But you have to get that metabolism right. You have to start eating throughout the day. I can even tell sometimes I'll, I'm guilty of it. You know, no one's perfect. I'll run downstairs and I'll start working. I'm like, Oh my goodness, it's 11 o'clock. I haven't eaten. And it kind of like throws my body off. And if I do that for a couple of days, like my stomach becomes bloated when I do eat. The only thing I have to do is eat more food, which I love to do eat good, more good, healthy food. And then like, I can, you know, keep my weight down and, and stay more energized. And I can, I really, really see it when it comes to my sleep at night.
0: Yeah, I mean, it flows through to everything, doesn't it? Our whole metabolic health and our hormone health are all interrelated. And yeah, getting bloated when you don't eat enough is really interesting. And and I think we think that that's because we're holding on, we're eating too much, or we're holding on to water, and we might be. But yeah, I mean, we are still buying into. The calories in and out, eat less and and exercise too much, just like you said to your client. And that's just, but I'll just say it's a bit BS because it's not.
1: (laughs) You're you're right. I I just got this visual and it's not a comfortable visual, but just to let people understand where we're coming from and feel more truth around it. If you look at some of the, it's in, in the States, some of the I don't even know what to call them besides just calling it what it is. Some of the advertisements or solicitations for you to help people in foreign countries. If you look at the the children that are starving, like you can see their ribs, but their belly is extended. So you would think, oh, they're starving. Why is their belly extended? That's also that's it's water too, but it's also them holding, you know, holding on for dear life for what they they still have. So getting that, I know that's not a pleasant visual in your mind, but it popped to my mind of of why, how women can relate to why we're still holding on to the weight that we have.
0: Yeah. And I I think time and time again, you've mentioned stress. Tell me more about how stress impacts weight and our health. Yeah. So
1: stress, 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 we all have it. (laughs) So our our hormone cortisol actually is, I, I look at it three different ways. So the cortisol level, it, it, your cortisol hormone is your like fight or flight, like you just said. So, and there's three different levels. You can have like the first level where it's normal, like someone bangs you on your door and you like, you know, you know, you get a little tense. You're like, Oh wait, what's going on? It's kind of a shock. We need that. That's a good thing. The second level is more like they bang on your door and then you, in your mind, you immediately think, Oh my goodness, someone's banging on my door. I'm getting ready to be murdered. Blah, 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 blah. You could go down this rabbit trail. And the third is like, You go down that rabbit trail of stress and your stressful thoughts and you can't come out of it. That's where the weight comes on. And it may be stress related to work and you can't get past what that boss has said or what that coworker has said. It could be stress related to home, whatever is going on in your home life. That stress causes you to have fat on your body and you you react because of that stress. That stress can cause you to just hold on the weight because you your body shuts down. That stress can cause you to eat more. Think about I admit, how many times you just like go get a snack because you're stressed out. Like how comforting is a piece of German chocolate cake with oat milk. <laughs> Sorry, folks. (laughs) That was a better visual, though. So again, that's that stress biologically causes you to hold on to weight, but psychologically, physically, it can cause you to do other things that cause you to hold on to weight. Stress can also cause you not to exercise, so that will cause you to hold on to weight. You know, I'm so stressed out; I don't have enough energy for myself. I don't have time to even go out for a 10 minute walk today. So there's a whole different levels of stress, and at the Level three of what I call is, that's when you really start holding on to the weight. And there's there's tons of things to do in order to relieve the
0: stress. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth. So you can keep that lawn in tip top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today. And view our weekly flyer on Menards.com
2: for more great deals. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.
1: But I always stop at telling people what to do because I think that has to be so personal. So for some people, it may be, you know, when I have my whole family around, that's when all of the stress is gone. I just love to cook for them and plan this big party. For me, it's, I want to be in a corner with a book by myself. Like that is a stress reliever. Like people are, Oh, I need to get my hair nails done. I'm like, yeah, I don't want people touching me. That's not a stress reliever. <laughs> so taking the time to actually feel like, feel and think about what really brings you joy and how you can implement that into your life. And if you are thinking, Oh, I have kids, Oh, I have family or what have you, I would, beg you to figure out a way to carve some of that time in your body so you don't end up like me, crashed out two whole years straight trying to recover because I thought self-care was selfish and it's not.
0: No, and you're not the only woman that thinks that self-care is selfish. I think lots of women do that I think we give and we give we're giving to our jobs we're giving to our families to our community to our church till there's nothing left and that's stress is like not, in those stages we're not switching off yeah I
1: totally agree and then I rarely mention or always forget to mention community and church which I should, but you're right. Like, even you think, oh, I'm doing something good. You know, I volunteer for the Red Cross or the adoption agency in my area, and I'm on this committee and that committee and that committee. Or for me, right before my crash, I was at our church four days a week. So we had a young couple there, and they were leading the worship team, and they had really tiny babies. So I would go in and just watch their babies for them. Like, loved it. It was peaceful to me, but it caused other things to happen and i'm sure that helped build on the stress that was happening in my body. I'm not saying don't volunteer. I'm definitely not saying don't go to church. I'm just saying we all need to understand where we are and create balance in our life.
0: Yeah, and and that stress is so toxic to the body. And that sort of leads me into the whole area of kind of inflammation because stress is inflammatory, sugar is inflammatory. I mean, inflammation How does it cause disease and what's the link between inflammation and weight gain? Yeah, so
1: two kinds of inflammation, acute, which we, again, like the the initial cortisol scare, we want the acute inflammation. You get a bee sting, you want your hand to swell up so you know you have it and you can do something about it. But what happens with people, not just with women, is we get chronic inflammation and that comes on exactly the way you said, processed foods, sugar, stress, all of those things cause inflammation in our body. And science has directly linked that inflammation caused by those outside factors to things like cancer, heart disease, type 2 diabetes. So it there's this direct link on how what you put in your mouth impacts your overall health. I was just going to say one more thing and I just totally forgot. I, what I was going to say about inflammation, it was good. It was so good, Clarissa, that we're going to come back to it. Oh, what was I going to say? Something else about inflammation as well. But, yeah, it does It does completely impact your body, and I'm going to think about what else I was going to
0: say about it. <laughs> It'll come back. It'll, it will. It was so good. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, that inflammation can also – You know, affect your hormone health, Counter. It can affect your brain health. I mean, it's quite serious to have some of the levels of inflammation that we have as as people if we don't manage our stress and we don't manage our insulin or become insulin resistant.
1: Right. You're right. You're, You're right. Insulin resistant, leptin resistant, all of those things can happen in our body, and inflammation can be a trigger for those things to happen. And in order for pe- people are like, well, you know, I have to eat, what do I eat? You're saying, don't eat this and don't eat that. I always say a, a, a good rule of thumb, especially when you're trying to fight inflammation in your body is to shop the aisles instead of the rows. And if you pick up something and you cannot pronounce what's on that label, or there's like 20 different ingredients, I even say five ingredients, there's a ton of ingredients in it, more than likely that's going to cause inflammation in your body. Also know that sugar is not just noted as sugar on ingredients. I always say look for the OSE, O-S-E, so like the glucose and so forth. Anything like that in your food can be causing you to gain weight. A ton of sodium as well. I'll go through, I'll ask clients like, what's your favorite restaurant? Then I'll actually go look at the menu at the restaurant and help them figure out like, because I don't want you to feel deprived. And when we're looking at those different things at the restaurant, a lot of times people aren't aware of all the hidden sugar and sodium in their salad dressing or in their salad. So looking at all of that becomes really important. And as you said, if we keep the inflammation at bay, we can help not only lose weight, but we can help fight other major diseases in our body.
0: Yeah. And I love that. Shop the aisles, not the rose. I mean, the roses were all the (laughs) processed. Junk is you know and, and you're right, so much hidden. I mean, I think somebody once showed me how much sugar was in some of these pasta sauces, and, and you think, oh, that's nice, I'll make a nice dish with some sauce and what well, and chicken, and then you just dumped a ton of sugar and other stuff into your food without realizing it. But of course you know, manufacturers, and I worked in food manufacturing, so I, unfortunately, I know, you know, want things to taste good, and they want you to keep buying their products. So they make, put lots of sugar in, it's a cheap ingredient, along with fat, they're very cheap, and they get you to be hooked on that, because you like the taste, and you keep coming back. But a lot, anything that's ultra processed is good for, I mean, some things have to be processed, and we have to make yogurts and we have to make, you know, cheese and stuff like that. But anything that yeah, you're right, that has all these ingredients, some of which you don't know what they are. <laughs> they wonder what that is, E something whatever, is not what you should be eating. <laughs> you're
1: right. and And you said something about they get us hooked. So it eating is an addiction, eating can be an addiction, and you can get addicted to food. And that's part of the You know, I'm not going big pharma and I'm not talking about big corporations in a negative way, just as a disclaimer, but they want you to continue to come back. So you won't come back if it does not taste good. So those ingredients in there are not always ingredients to make you feel better. They're often ingredients to make you keep coming back. So just because it says low-cal, low-sugar, keto-friendly, paleo-friendly, gluten-free, gluten-free is horrible because... Gluten-free is processed. You have to process to get the gluten out of a lot of things. All of those buzzwords or marketing terms, be very, very cautious of those because they can cause an imbalance in your hormones and also cause inflammation in your
0: body. Yeah. Ooh, that makes you think, doesn't it? I mean, I don't eat ultra-processed foods, but I have a husband who loves any junk going, I, and I say that, and I'm sorry, Americans, I'm sorry to you, Stephanie, but I always say that's because he spent, you know, nearly 10 years of his life, more than 10 years of his life in the U S and uh, he eats anything going. I'm, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not coming. To, I don't go to the fast food joint. I said, you can eat. I you, I, I don't care, but don't ask me to join in. So I know offense
1: taken because actually I, I have a, one of my Instagram posts is coming out. It might've just come out. It's about the MAD diet and MAD stands for modern American diet. So we know, we understand, we get it. And I would just, I plead with you all, especially people that have small children, I always talk about this as generational, like what you're putting in your body, it impact, if you're, it impacts generations. So you may not have a grandchild now, but what you're putting in your body and how you're eating and the structure that you're setting in place, your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren are going to be impacted by that. And we as Americans, we do eat the mad, funny that it's called that. We have a sad diet and we have a mad diet, but it's because of the need and the drive for quickness the need and the drive for convenience as well, that you will run through a restaurant and get something really quick instead of spending two hours on Sunday to meal prep when you, and no shame being thrown at anyone. I understand people are busy, but a meal prep Sunday night can get you through a went to a Wednesday and save you money and save you money. So I just encourage people to as much as possible, you know, stay out of the drive through
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, but yeah, stay out of it if you can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you work so much with midlife women, Stephanie. Why did you choose to work with this particular group of people? Yeah, because that's me. I'm in the group.
1: (laughs) I'm in the group. I'm a grandma. That's part of the reason. Midlife women were the women that were attracted to me. That's part of the reason. And I part of another part of the reason is because we are such, especially nowadays, we're such vibrant women. I'll look at pictures of my grandma who she still looked about in her sixties and her eighties. She still looked young, but she just kind of had that old grandma persona about her. Like we as midlife women, that's not the persona that we give anymore. And so you have, in order for you to stay healthy, the, in order for you to still you know, stay fresh and alive and vibrant, you have to eat better. You have to take care of yourself. So those are the people, those are my people, and those are the people that I want to help. I mean, I've gone through the corporate world. I've gone through the nonprofit world. I've gone through being sick as a midlife woman. So it made sense to me that the things that I've learned that I'm able to share with other women.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I mean, midlife women are facing big hormonal changes, which are impacting also their metabolic health, as I said earlier, and it goes back and forth. So I suppose it's an ideal space for someone with your approach to really come in and help them. Yeah. And one thing I didn't say is,
1: like, we don't have to go through everything that we go through. Like, you don't have to go through hot flashes. Like, I mean, there's going to be different changes in your body. and, And we all know that. But you can decrease the severity of those changes if you're watching what you put in your mouth. I know for a fact, kombucha, mangoes, those are going, I'm going to have a hot flash, but sometimes I'll just do it anyway. And I also know that if like around the holidays, if I'm eating more sugar, I may have a hot flash. But I also know how to control that with making sure that I'm getting the right vegetables, lots of greens, beets, and so forth, and getting my sugar from beets and other fruits. That makes me not have hot flashes. So I know that there's a way for us as women to get past this (laughs) menopause phase in our life and live a more happy, healthy, vibrant life.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, there's so many much food that can support us hormonally, as you said. And I think lots of women would say, Yes, I have more issues not just with weight but as you said with hot flashes and even mood and sleep issues because of what i've been eating and when you add stress into the mix then it can be very tough for midlife women yeah and sometimes
1: i will hear women not make the correlation as well like oh i'm in my 50s and 60s i should be having hot flashes or you know, I won't be sleeping. No, no, don't own any of that. That's part of the mindset work as well. You don't need to own any of that. I'm in my 50s, so what? Keep it moving kind of thing. And you can change the trajectory of your health outcomes. And again, trajectory of your health outcomes for generations to come.
0: Yeah, I think that's an important point, that epigenetic side of things that often gets lost but is a really key factor in menopause so if the people are listening and don't know what you mean by epigenetics that's really exactly what staff is talking about that what you do isn't just your genetics but you also impact other generations
1: yeah it's super super interesting i would encourage everyone to even just like google the word and you know look at some of the charts that they have out there but yeah i would not you don't think about that when you're going through that that drive-through, but I want women to start thinking about it because we're we're a central part of the family. We're the core, we're the root. That's where a lot of your direction for what families are eating and how they're living, it comes from us as women. We bear a lot of that. I don't want to say burden, but we bear a lot of that on us, either uh, imposed or just because we want to. So the fact that we can actually change the outcome of our grandkids and great grandkids. I think that's power and we need to step into it.
0: Yeah, I agree. And you've talked so much about mindset. I mean, that's an essential part of it, isn't it? As well as, you know, your purpose. Uh, I mean, how do you work with your clients around mindset and other factors?
1: So that again, like the stress has to be target to where they are, how much they can handle, how far we can get them. And I do that. But as a overall general, what we start to do is look, we do a process where we like gather our thoughts, like anything that you're thinking about, whatever that is related to weight, we're we're actually writing that out, write all those thoughts out. And then you're setting a new tone to those words. So I can't lose weight, I will always be heavy. But what's the real truth? behind that. Is that true that you will always be heavy and then getting our clients my clients to change that to more of a positive because a lot of times you'll get just say this mantra and you'll be fine. Well I am possible may not be your mantra and it may not be directly related to exactly what's happening in your life. So getting people to uncover why they're eating the way they are, what's happening in their their life, and then giving them new words to speak over themselves, new words to say about themselves and a new way of thinking. That's how we work through the mindset process. I call it a 21-day detox. And I last week, I'm like, yeah, I need to change the detox word because someone was like, I don't want to do a detox. (laughs) I'm like, well, it's not really a detox. But over a 21-day period, it's just about you repeating that to yourself and having new conversations with yourself. And if you're in one of my groups or we're talking one-on-one and like you're not allowed to say can't, don't, like always changing your conversation because what happens is your brain has all these little branches in there and you can actually rewire your brain. You can rewire your thoughts. The connection to your emotions can be rewired. Real quick, we had, I read a book where HIV positive patients, they were 300 times more likely to survive HIV and to to live a healthier lifestyle if they had positive thoughts that's powerful. So bringing that positive mindset, that positive thinking where some people think it's frou-frou, it's true, it's real. And that's how we get people, get you to not just lose the weight and then gain it back, but get you long-term to lose the weight.
0: Yeah. I think that's true for almost everything. I think that's true. If it's about your physical pain, we know that people can get through things like cancer treatments better if they can think with more positive outcomes. It doesn't mean that you don't need the help. It doesn't mean you don't need the medication. But the ability to live and to live well, uh, your mind is so powerful. I'm so happy you
1: get it. I'm like super excited. One of my clients, she had, actually the client that had MS, so she had a list of things that she did. And I said, what you need to do is say, you know, I have MS, but MS doesn't have me. And then she like said, that's what I just wrote down. And she's like, I'm going to, I just wrote that down that that's because she would talk about the MS. I'm like, we're not going to talk about that. It's not that it's not your diagnosis. It's that we're just going to look at it differently. And, you know, how am I going to get to the other side of this? How am I going to stay healthy? So yeah, you're right. The mind is powerful.
0: It is. And I I love that you also talk about turning pain into purpose. What does that mean to you and how does that play out in the work you do?
1: Yeah. So that is my story. So the story that I told you about being sick and, you know, I I often tell the story of me sitting on my uh, couch and crying, you know, I'm like, Lord, can I just have 60 seconds to complain Uh, or crying out about what was going on? All of that pain, not being able to drive the, you know, not knowing if I would ever recover all of that, that I went through being able to with in all of that, understand that there's a greater purpose. So that's why I could have those sixty second crying sessions because I'm like, yeah, it may not happen tomorrow that I'm going to be healthy, but I am going to be healthy again. So let me figure out how I'm going to turn this pain into my life's purpose. And I honestly feel like I am not working anymore. Like I, you know how they always say find something you do for free, and then blah blah. blah. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But now I'm like, oh, I get it now. So I, I understand that I've, I've stepped into my purpose and while long-term, it, I may not always have the nutrition aspect, but pouring life into people and helping people understand how valuable they are, that is part of my purpose and that's what I want to continue to
0: live out. That is fantastic. I love hearing that. I mean, in from that, I mean, how can people get in touch with you and join your groups or work with you one-on-one?
1: Yeah. Thank you for offering that. So they can go to my website. It's com. So just visit my website and you can get all of my social links there and any course or information as, as well. I work with clients one-on-one over a four-month period. And then I also work with them in a group session over a four-month period. So again, com.
0: That's beautiful. We will put that into the show notes. Stephanie, I love your energy, your passion It's like you're really in your purpose. And I want to thank you for coming on and sharing some insights into nutrition strategy and how you work with people. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much.